as handouts go around, uh, we're concluding uh, our discussion of premillennialism. And last week we looked to Revelation 20 and why uh, the best explanation of uh, Revelation 20 is a premillennial explanation. And I told you last week that what I wanted to do this week was to look to other text and it, it works out that uh, it works out that uh, Old Testament text, uh, Old Testament text uh, also point to uh, the realities that we see in Revelation uh, 20. And so uh, that's where I want to go. But first, uh, I think that uh, one of the uh, scholars I was reading uh, did a really nice job of putting forth some considerations that are helpful when you're reading end times texts. And uh, I, I thought it was helpful enough to uh, even uh, begin there this morning. And then as we go through some of the Old Testament texts, we can uh, use that grid, use that way of thinking, those questions. Uh, we can use those for, uh, for thinking about particular Old Testament texts. So uh, when we look at human history, obviously God, Genesis 1 and 2, created all things, created them good. You have the fall. Then you have all of human history until... Uh, Revelation 21 and 22, which is the eternal state and how things are in eternity. Um, in between, you have a whole bunch of uh, uh, human history. Uh, and right now, we're in the segment of human history uh, that we would call the church age. Um, and I'll use the language of the present age uh, as, we speak about, uh, as we speak about that today. But uh, since there are things that are uh, particular to the present age, and since there are things that are particular to the millennium, and since there are things that are particular to the eternal state, uh, those different uh, phases in, in the course of uh, human history and the working out of God's uh, plans for his creation, those different phases become helpful uh, questions for evaluating Old Testament text or New Testament text or text uh, in general which speak to uh, either eschatological realities or realities about uh, some time and way that God is working uh, uh, in his uh, fulfillment of, of human history, uh, history generally. Um, it wouldn't be just human history that these would uh, uh, these questions would apply to. So, uh, one way that you can go about uh, evaluating end times passages and other passages beyond that speak of um, human history is to ask first the question: What is true of the text in the present age? Present is the blank. What is true of the text in the present age? Um, so. Uh, Christians are assured that in the uh, present age they will have uh, many afflictions. Many afflictions. That would be something that you could 
look to particular texts that speak about that. And you can say, this is true of the present age. Um, the second question, uh, number two, what is true of the, in the intermediate of the text in the intermediate kingdom, intermediate kingdom. And I, I really like the language of the intermediate kingdom, which is also uh, described as the millennium, um, because uh, so frequently it's helpful to distinguish uh, the kingdom that God is ruling over forever and ever um, from the kingdom as it's described in the millennium and those texts that apply to the millennium. And so it's an intermediate kingdom leading to the e- eternal state. Um, so a helpful question for thinking about the millennium. What is true of the text in the intermediate kingdom or the millennium? And if you take this text and you apply it, for example, to, um, I'm just pulling something out, um, Revelation 20, um, uh, Revelation 21, oh, and let's uh, uh, say uh, verse 22. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its uh, temple, and the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the God has illumined it, and the lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the king of the, of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean. And no one who has practiced, uh, practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Um, and you can ask the question, how does this text apply to the millennial kingdom? Is it true of the millennial kingdom that uh, no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay? That's not true of the millennial kingdom, so it gives you a a clue that when you're reading Revelation 21 and those last verses there, uh, you're not reading a text that's pertaining to the uh, millennial kingdom. Um, So the positive answers to uh, these questions are just as uh, helpful as the negative answers. What isn't true about this text for a particular age of, of human existence in history. Are, are we tracking? Am I confusing anyone yet? Losing people? Uh, so the present age, there will be no tears or sorrow. Can that be, true, be, be said to be true of the present age? No. Um, will it be true of the millennial age? No tears, no sorrow. No, because, for example, Isaiah 65.10, someone who dies at 100 will be thought to be accursed. Why? They're so young. Right? Um, So the, the reality of Isaiah 65 and verse 10 Dying at 100 is really young and uh, is uh, seen as a, a cursed, someone being cursed by God if that, if that happens. 
Is that true of the present age? Do we, do we think if someone dies at 100, oh, poor them, they didn't live a long life. We don't, we don't think that at all. Someone gets to 90 and we have a big party, right? Um, so uh, Isaiah 65.10 clearly doesn't apply to the present age. Um, if someone dies at 100, does that apply to the eternal state? And I'm getting to the last question, which is, what is true of the text in the eternal state? Uh, question number three, in the eternal state. If someone dies at 100, are we thinking that text is talking about the eternal state? No. Why is it impossible that that text is talking about the eternal state? No death. No death in the eternal state. Uh, so this, these, 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 uh, these three questions working together are really helpful for helping us uh, as we evaluate text to think about what, uh, what time period of uh, God's working out of his plans in history, what time period of, uh, of uh, that happening of his working out the, uh, his plans in human history is this text referring to, okay? So it's a really helpful tripartite way of thinking about a particular text. So what I, what I did, I didn't, uh, I didn't try to um, pull out text that would apply especially to the eternal state. You could look to those texts. Um, uh, I didn't try to pull out texts that were applying especially to the present age. I uh, intentionally pulled out texts that I think are applying to the millennium. And what I want to do is I want to go through these texts and ask these three questions to help convince you, if you aren't already convinced, to help convince you that these texts are talking about the millennium these texts aren't talking about the eternal state, and these texts aren't talking about what's presently happening. happening okay? Now, uh, the first one, uh, Psalm 72, so you can turn there. Uh, Psalm 72, it is really, really, I think, uh, really, really simple. It's not complicated, um, and yet it's really important uh, if we understand these, these questions as we ask these questions of the text, if we understand these questions, it's really uh, insightful for being able to uh, understand the, the, uh, the benefit of these questions even, I think. Uh, so, Psalm 72, verses 8 through 14. Would someone be willing to read that uh, for us? Psalm 72. Yes, Daniel. You shall have dominion over, or dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> they that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and the isles shall bring presents. Kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer, offer gifts. They, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no, no helper. You shall, shall spare the poor and needy, and shall save the souls of, of the needy. You shall redeem your soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall be their blood in his sight. Okay, so um, you read those verses, um, 
May he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Now, this is a Psalm of Solomon. You go back to the, the title of Psalm 72. Um, this is a Psalm written by Solomon, is how I, I understand it. Um, is this a reality uh, that he may r- rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth? Is this a reality that could be said to, uh, to apply to Solomon? So I realize we're not talking present age now. We're talking going back in the present age, but, uh, or going back even into the, if you're not thinking of church age, then the age before. But uh, ruling from the river to the ends of the earth. Um, no. And uh, verse 11 is another uh, uh, even more clear uh, reality. Let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. Now, uh, Solomon had lots of nations that came and, and gave him service. But could you use the word all in relation to Solomon's reign? No, no. So uh, let us... Take it beyond Solomon. If, if, if we're inclined to think, and this isn't one of our questions, uh, this isn't one of our questions, but if we're inclined to think this isn't talking exactly of Solomon, is this talking about the present age? That uh, uh, give the king your judgments, verse 1, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son, um, that he may judge. If we're talking about someone who's ruling, is, is this applicable to someone who's ruling in this age, can, can we say of anyone who's ruling in this age that he's ruling from the river to the ends of the earth or that all the nations, that all the kings are bowing down before him and all the nations um, serving him? Right? Yes. So uh, this text, uh, I think it's rather clear it isn't talking about something that's happening in the present age, right? So, so are you interpreting these as statements of reality or as blessings? Um, either way, they're talking about a particular time. And if you're thinking about the time to which they're talking about, do, would they, would those, if they're blessings, do they apply to, the, to, the, to, to now? So the present they age... They certainly don't apply to now. Right, right, yeah. So that's that's the so I'm I'm thinking not just um, I could it could get confusing trying to explain it, I think but I'm I'm not thinking just what does this text refer to in terms of is it trying to refer to the present age but when we think about the present age are these realities do they fit with the the present age realities yeah and and I think that we we would say. This isn't true, right? Um, do they uh, do they uh, do they fit with what we know of the millennial kingdom, the millennium time frame? Um, that there will be a ruler who would rule from the river to the ends of the earth, and all the kings would bow down before him, and all the nations um, serve him. Is that something that we would think of in terms of the millennial age? Yeah, it's, it's something that would, would reflect the millennial age. 
Um, would it uh, potentially, those verses, verses 8 through 11, would they potentially uh, refer to the uh, eternal state? I have someone shaking their head yes. I think I heard someone say no. I would say technically not, because in the eternal state there will be no more enemies to look the dust. Right? You would have to interpret that. Right? Other than, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right? Because right. enemies will be destroyed and cast into hell. Yes, and then if you go on in the text... To verses 12 and 13 and 14, it's even more clear that this can't be talking about the eternal state. So verse 12, for he will deliver the needy when he cries for help. Okay, in heaven, as we think of it, in heaven, will there be needy crying for help? No, Um, the afflicted also in him who has no helper. Uh, He will have compassion on the poor and the needy and the lives of the needy. He will save. Will there there be a need for the ruler in the eternal state to save the needy? No, no. Um, He will rescue their life from oppression and violence and their blood will be precious in his sight. Uh, So if we're thinking in terms of uh, the future, um, Rescuing them from um, oppression and violence isn't something that would, uh, would uh, naturally fit there. But do those realities, do they accord with what we know of the millennium? The king reigning, nations coming to him. There, Say what? Doesn't the devil come to at the end? Oh, yes, but we're, we're, when we think of the millennium, we usually think of the time when uh, Satan is sealed in the abyss and locked away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we think of that intermediate stage, uh, I think that these kind of, these kind of uh, verses really do reflect well the messianic kingdom. And that's why so many interpreters of Psalm 72 look to this uh, text and they say that this is a messianic, uh, prophetic messianic uh, um, uh, kind of, of psalm, as, as speaking of the, uh, the millennium. Um, it's not just speaking of Solomon. As great as Solomon's Uh, as great as Solomon's uh, particulars were in in his reign. Um, To to put it in summary form that um, one of the the scholars put it, in the present age, the Messiah is not ruling over the eternal earth. In the millennial kingdom, the Messiah is ruling over the earth, and there is still the presence of poor and needy who need rescue. In the eternal state, Messiah is ruling, but there's no presence of the poor and needy. Um, so those, those realities, as they're reflected in Psalm 72, are really, uh, I think, helpful as you, as you think about these texts, as you think about these questions, and think about the text in light of those questions. Okay? Um, I think another, uh, another fairly 
uh, straightforward presentation of this kind of thing can be seen if we go to Isaiah. Isaiah 6 and verse 6 through 11. Isaiah 11 and verse, sorry, 11 and 6 through 11. And someone want to read Isaiah 11 and those verses? Very, very helpful. Thank you. Um, so some of the realities spoken of here, a change in the animal kingdom, right? Wolf dwelling with a lamb, uh, cow and bear feeding together, uh, lion eating straw like an ox. So changes in the animal kingdom. There's the universal knowledge of the Lord, right? There, that uh, verse nine, um, uh, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Um, then you have the nations coming to, uh, to the root of Jesse and seeing his uh, dwellings as glorious. And lastly, uh, verse 11, uh, it will happen in that day. The Lord, this is the, the Nazbi, will again recover the second time uh, with his hand, the remnant of his people, who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathras, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. Now, if you think about that text and you think about the, the entirety of those verses, does that, is that something that reflects the present age? Definitely not. Uh, we tell our, our boys even sometimes, uh, stay away from snakes as much as they like going after the snakes. Why? Because there's still a danger there, right? We, we wouldn't think that we were good farmers if we put the bear in the pasture with the cow or the lion in the pasture with the cow, right? We would, we would not be thinking, smart move, uh, farmer, smart move, uh, so it, it clearly doesn't apply to the present age. Uh, I'll skip to the last question. What is, what is true of the text in the eternal state? Or how will we think of the text uh, related to the eternal state? Um, is it true um, in the eternal state? And I think here verses 10 and 11 are especially helpful, especially verse 11. 
that the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant which is left of his people? To use a a different uh, translation, I think. Um, So in the eternal state, will the Lord still be drawing people to to his rule? No, no. Um, so then, the second question, uh, what is true of the text in the intermediate, uh, of this text uh, as it relates to the intermediate kingdom, the, the millennium? Well, uh, does this uh, reflect uh, things that would be true of the millennium? Mm-hmm. Verse 9, who is they referring to? Because that would be seminal for whether it could occur if they refers to humans in the millennium, there will be destruction in the final rebellion when they rise up yeah. to fight against the king. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's referring back to the animals and because uh, you're, you're speaking of the various... Right. Um, I just didn't yep. know mm-hmm. whether there was an indicator in the language that would not be... Yeah. Um. The, 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 the idea of the wolf, the dwelling with the lamb, the calf with the lion, etc., um, probably pointing to that. Uh, right now, do you have universal knowledge of the Lord? No. In the millennial kingdom, will there be people who don't know the Lord? Not in a saving sense, but know him as he's the one who's the king and he's the one who uh, is uh, blessing the whole world. Yeah, um, so I think uh, this text doesn't apply to right now. It, it wouldn't be reflective of the present age. Our, our present age is much worse than the kinds of things we see in this text. But it also doesn't apply to the eternal state because the eternal state will be even better than the, the, the conditions that we see uh, here in, in the text. So um, let us move on to a, a one that's uh, longer, and I'm not going to go to all of chapter 24 and all of chapter 25 of Isaiah, but turn forward, uh, turn forward if you would, to that section of that section of Isaiah. And I'm just going to ask us to start by reading the first six verses of Isaiah uh, 24. I'll give you a little bit of backdrop Isaiah more broadly. So chapter 13 through 23, there are numerous chapters devoted to addressing uh, foreign nations and, and foreign kingdoms, okay? You come to chapter 24 and you have uh, some interaction with uh, thinking about the, the, the kingdoms uh, at large. Um, you have some of, uh, of, of the fulfillment of some of the things that weren't uh, true of uh, ch- chapters 13 through 23 in that day, but will be true in chapter 24 in a special way. And so, uh, verses 1 through 6, Isaiah 24, verses 1 through 6. Would someone be willing to... Thank you, Rochelle. Uh, 
its surface and scatters its inhabitants. And the people will be like the priest and the servant like his master, the maid like his her mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the borrower, and the creditor like the debtor. The earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and withers, and the world fades and withers. The exalted of the people of the earth fade away. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgressed laws, violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. Okay, now this is a trick, tricky one uh, because um, it's not obvious how it how it it's not obvious at the outset how it fits into the three questions as we've been thinking about them. Right? Um, could you say of the present age, a curse devours the earth; those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are ban- burned, and few men are left. Would you, would you think that of the present age? Yes. A few men are left? No. few men are left? Yeah, so the, the, it, it doesn't seem like it's speaking uh, of our, at least our present circumstance in, in the church age. Um, the language of verse 1, the Lord lays the earth waste, devastates it, devastates it distorts its surface, and scatters its inhabitants. If you think of the Lord distorting the surface of the earth, what kind of realities are you thinking of happening to the earth? Earthquakes. Earthquakes might, might be one. Yeah, cat, catastrophic things in... in yep. I mean, of that magnitude. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Verse 3, the earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled. Now, there's some small way in which we're living after the fall, and there are definite effects of the fall on the earth right now. But would you, would you think that this present age, you would use the word completely to describe uh, the despoilment of the the earth, uh, completely laid waste and completely despoiled. You know, he's, you can see his hand working in in all of the disasters that are continually happening mm-hmm. over over earth. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so you know he's just not done it. Right, I I would wholly agree. I would wholly agree. Would you characterize right now as complete, uh, complete uh, laying waste of the of the earth and complete despoiling of it? It depends on whether he intends to do it instantly or if he's going to spread it out over a period of time. He is going to destroy it. Yeah, so I think 
um, that these verses, uh, I'm, I'm going to show my hand to help in explaining. Um, I think that these verses are speaking of the, the end time uh, time period that we call the day of the Lord, the judgment time of the day of the Lord. So these verses would especially uh, would especially be applicable. Uh, probably uh, um, numerous of them you could think again and again applicable of what we call the tribulation time period, the seven years when God pours out His wrath on the earth, and uh, we have. We have things like uh, the last two weeks, the tornadoes going through and just doing great devastation, right? But uh, even though we had a big snowstorm on Friday, uh, <laughs> we, 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 exactly, exactly. So I think that when you think about this uh, text, it's not talking about the present age that we're living in right now at our time, but it's talking about the end of the present age before it gets to the millennium. What, what is frequently described in the, uh, in the scriptures as the tribulation time period. Um, so the complete. Um, uh, at that time, when the, when the tribulation happens, uh, Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned. The inhabitants of the earth are burned. Now, when's the last time that you've, that you've heard of the inhabitants of the earth being burned? Like, you have to go back in your history and think to particular Bible texts. And, and we're not talking about uh, what was the fire at the, um, up north in Minnesota, uh, the 1800s or it was early night, uh, the huge fire that devastated a whole town or whatever it was. Are you about the Hinkley, fire? Hinkley, yes. Uh, even the Hinkley fire, we wouldn't say uh, those who live on it, uh, the inhabitants of the earth are burned. Right? It's just the inhabitants of one city. Right? Um, so I think that we're talking about the present age, just the end of the present age that we haven't yet gotten to yet. What we, what we, what we talk about is the tribulation time period, uh, as, you, as you look to this text. Um, uh, verse uh, 19, so I'm just going to pull out some particular verses, uh, verses 19 to 20. Uh, of Isaiah 24. The earth, uh, listen to this, this language of, of the scriptures, the earth is broken asunder, the earth is split through, the earth is shaken violently, the earth reels to and fro like a drunkard, and it totters like a shack. The degree of uh, judgment that's uh, poured out is being uh, put on display there. For its transgression is heavy upon it, and it will fall never to rise again. Okay? This, is, this is significant judgment. Uh, there, there is, I, I would agree with you, Faye, that there are things that we might not know if it's God particularly bringing out judgment on particular sin or particular people. But I think there's, even now in human history, God can uh, bring judgment on things. Um, but this is something going beyond that. 
Uh, right? So this is, this is something more devastating than that. Verse 21 um, doesn't use the language of the day of the Lord, but it, uh, the, in that day uh, is a helpful reminder of, of this uh, day of the Lord theme. So it will happen in that day that the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high. And I, I follow Michael, uh, I don't know his last name, the pronunciation of Vlack or something, um, Vlack, uh, in seeing that as evil spiritual beings. Um, the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high, evil spiritual beings, and the kings of the earth on earth. They will be gathered together like prisoners in the dungeon and will be confined in prison. And then note the, the end of verse 22. And after many days, they will be punished. So maybe we're starting to get to uh, thinking about Satan confined after many days punished. He has an initial punishment. He's thrown into the abyss and then he's released for a short time. And then he's thrown into the lake of fire. Okay. Um, you have cosmic realities that are uh, going haywire. The moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed. Uh, for the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. I think what we're seeing is we're seeing the, the end of the tribulation and the beginning of the Lord comes and he's going to come to where? To earth. And he's going to rule from where? From Mount Zion. Um, and chapter 25 is a, a extensive uh, listing of different blessings uh, thereafter. Uh, so, for example, verse uh, six, um, six through through eight. Uh, the Lord of Hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. Uh, referring back to to Zion, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering, which is over the peoples, even the veil, which is stretched over all nations. Uh, he will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe uh, tears away from all faces and will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. And so uh, there even um, we're getting to the, the eternal state, I think. Um, uh, the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, uh, verse 10. Um, some of those verses could go uh, different directions, whether it's eternal state or millennial kingdom. But I think what you see is, you see judgment, chapter 24. Then you see the Lord coming, uh, chapter 24 and verse 23, the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion. And then you see this uh, time of, uh, of blessing and how far that time of blessing goes into the eternal state, possibly in, in, verse, in chapter 25, uh, is a question that I'm not going to try to pursue right now. But what I'm trying to point out is that when you think of the present age, uh, do you think of the complete destruction that you see in, in chapter 24? No. Do you think of the, uh, the greatness of the uh, extent of the blessing that you see in chapter 25? No. Uh, so this is, this is speaking about some other 
some other period of time. Um, uh, well, the 20, chapter 25, uh, the millennium, we're, we're going to be with the Lord. So. Oh, yes, yes. I, uh, so uh, being a pre-tribulationalist, the Lord coming and, and taking us out before the tribulation, yeah, we, we don't have to worry about that side of things. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to get to Zechariah 14, but um, uh, let me just say that Zechariah 14 is um, more of the same kind of, uh, kinds of things that you can, can see. As you think about, uh, as you think about these questions, so uh, the way that uh, one scholar says it, uh, Isaiah twenty-four through twenty-five reveals the following: global global tribulation, then judgment, then kingdom. And this is a pattern that is found in other passages as well. And uh, that is a passage that you see in Zechariah fourteen. Uh, the kingdom of God follows tribulation, cosmic signs, the rescue of God's people, and the judgment of God's enemies, which uh, I will lead then to the conclusion. Okay, uh, conclusion. This is, this, is the, this is the important uh, meat of the matter. I'll summarize in my own words, and then I'll, I'll read this, and I'll fill in the blanks for you. Right now, isn't the millennium. It isn't as good as the millennium will be. But there is a time that will come before the eternal state that isn't as good as the eternal state will be. And that reality, I think we see in Revelation 20 and in Old Testament passages. Verse, uh, here's a conclusion in the language of the words uh, written down. I'll give you the blanks. In addition to Revelation 20... Several Old Testament passages predict an era on this earth that is far better than the current age. The current age. Far better. The current age is the first blank. Far better than the current age we live in. The current age is the first blank. But not yet as perfect as the coming Final eternal state. Final eternal state. Second blank. Final eternal state. Thus, there is a necessity of an intermediate kingdom. Intermediate kingdom. Second to last blank. After the second coming of Jesus but before the eternal state. The eternal state is the last blank. So, both Revelation 20 and other passages point to the fact that there's not just the eternal state that's coming as we go on in human history. God has something before the eternal state called the millennium, and that happens after the the coming of Christ, um, after the coming of the Messiah, second coming of Jesus. Um, any Anyone not get all those blanks and need help? Yes. Third. Third. So uh, there's a necessity of an intermediate kingdom. An intermediate kingdom. 
intermediate kingdom is the, the blank. Uh, some some will accuse uh, or or imply that premillennialism is just only able to be supported from Revelation twenty, and I, I think uh, that that's not an accurate uh, an accurate evaluation of what the Old Testament teaches. In addition to Matthew twenty four and twenty five and, and other texts. Um, so let us uh, conclude in prayer and look forward to uh, worshiping together. Lord, thank you for the promises of your word. And thank you for that which you have already saved us from. You've given us right now eternal life. Thank you for what uh, you will save us from and the rapture, and thank you for what you save us to, uh, going with your son to be in the millennium, and then the eternal state, being with you forever, with our Savior forever. Lord, we look forward to those days. We look forward with hope, and I pray that you would bless us in that joy. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.